My name is Rob Auchincloss, and this is the Holocene Podcast, where we seek knowledge of the most creative, adventurous, and bright among us. These individuals are storytellers, entrepreneurs, athletes, designers, and everything else in between. It is my job as the host to take what they have each learned in their own lives and codify their knowledge so that you can use their lessons in your own life. Today's episode of the Holocene Podcast is sponsored by the Holocene Magazine. You can use code PODCAST at checkout to save 15% off our first issue, and issue two will be dropping later this year. Today, I am joined by none other than Tall Tall Trees. Tall Tall Trees is the musical ID of songwriter and multi-instrumentalist Mike Savino, a pioneer in the realm of experimental DIY banjo music. Accompanied by his trusty Banjotron 6500, a highly customized electrified banjo and effects pedal setup, Savino has wowed audiences since the 2009 debut of his self-titled album with his eclectic and innovative blend of psychedelic folk, rock, and world music. His work seems to actively evade comfortable definition upon first listen, one will recognize the tenderness of Cat Stevens, the melancholy introspection of Elliot Smith, the anthemic psychedelia of Pink Floyd, and a deep abiding respect for Earl Scruggs. Savino often performs solo, showcasing his fleet-footed loop pedal mastery, as well as alongside longtime collaborator and fellow innovator Kishibashi. He has recently collaborated with fellow psych banjo maestro J.D. Pincus of the Butthole Surfers, releasing Ponder Machine, a psychedelic banjo opus on the Shimmy Disc label. Tall Tall Tree's latest release and fifth LP, Stick to the Mystical Eye, featuring a collaboration with Josiah Wolf of the band Y, is out September 8th, 2023, on Joyful Noise Recordings. I hope you all enjoyed this conversation between myself and Mike Savino. Life is either an incredible adventure or it's nothing at all. Mike, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hey, thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me. So I start every podcast by asking the same question, which is, what is the first thing you think about when you wake up in the morning? Coffee. Just coffee. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I, I'm always curious because like, I'm someone who hasn't touched coffee in like five years. Oh, so yeah. I do have caffeine, mm-hmm. which has been a whole other drink. We, we can get it. They've heard me talk about that too much. Yeah. But is it like immediately you wake up and you're like, I just want coffee before I can process anything? Else? No, not really. I, actually, it's not coffee. It's breakfast. I mean, coffee mm. is definitely one of my favorite things uh, first thing in the morning. But, you know, it's, it's more like, what am I going to eat right now? That's, mm. <laughs> that's the first what, thing I think do you about. Have, do, you have any, uh, do you have any go-tos? I mean, I, I, I like to cook. So, you know, I like to mix it up. But I'm also, you know, trying to stay healthy. So, you know. But, you know, mm. I got a varied roster of, of things that I'll whip up for breakfast. But, you know. But, um, yeah, coffee, I've got a very specific, um, you know, mocha, espresso, stovetop Italian style thing that Mm -hmm. I just crave. Even when I'm traveling, it's like I miss that coffee, you know. Sure. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my my girlfriend's the exact same way. She like has this machine she worships in the kitchen, yeah. like it's a god. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which I get. Yeah. yeah. My everyone I know has the same thing. Mm-hmm. Is there any other things you like to do in the morning are you uh are you a meditator are you a stretcher are you a journaler are you uh like, um, what, what is your anything else uh i'm a practicer you know when it comes to music mm-hmm. you know when i when i'm when i'm free and i don't have obligations for the day i mean ideally i'd like to 
wake up, have coffee, have a little something to eat, and um, and I, I practice. I you know I'll usually try and have a, a like a half an hour uninterrupted improvisation session. Mm. That's 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 how I connect to music. You know, um, to start the day. You know. It's, it's it's something I've been doing for a few years now, which I, I love meditation as well. But I, for me, it's like music is is a, an active meditation for me. You know, where I've been so busy, where yeah. I, you know, when meditation is an amazing tool to have. But for some, you know, sometimes when you're so busy, it's really hard. It's really hard yeah. because it, you're doing something with a distinct purpose. But that purpose isn't really relative to your productivity for the day it, it no. in an outward way. It is yeah. under. You're trying to quiet the monkey mind that yes. you're utilizing mm-hmm. to do the monkey thing. So right? I've developed a way to like do that <laughs> and also connect to music and get my music brain started for the day. So, so yeah, I mean, I'll usually have breakfast and then I'll set a timer for 30 minutes and I'll just grab an instrument, usually banjo or something like that. And mm-hmm. I'll improvise for like 30 minutes straight, you know, and just try and like connect and ground myself musically. Mm-hmm. So, and oftentimes in that 30 minutes, even, you know, within five minutes I'm writing, you know, and I'm pressing record on something because yeah. something fresh has come up in my mind and I want to remember it. But, but yeah, cool. that's, that's on an ideal day. I can do that. You know, Mm-hmm. And then, um, bef- before I ask you the counterpart to that question, I think it's important because there, there'll be some people listening to this that know exactly who you are. And there's some people that listen to this that yeah. may know, kind of know who you are. Mm-hmm. There's some people that might have no idea who you are. So More likely. how would you describe, <laughs> <laughs> how would you describe the work you do now, um, to let's just say your eight year old self. So like if you were to go back in the past and, and talk to your eight year old version yeah. of yourself, how would you describe what you do now with your time? <laughs> Well, I do a number of things. Most, I mean, pretty much all music related. You know, I'm a, I'm a, uh, a musician. You know, uh, who plays a multitude of instruments. I'm a composer and songwriter, and a producer of music. I make records, and I'm a touring artist. I, I play concerts. Um, yeah. Like fortunately, all over the world, you know, which has been mm-hmm. uh, a dream come true, and the yeah. hardest thing you could ever possibly dream of doing as a job, <laughs> uh, yeah. which looks really cool and looks easy. Sure, you know. yeah, but that's the first time we met in person, yeah. right? Um, and uh, so, so that secondary question: If you're on tour, mm-hmm. does your morning routine? Do you do you like? Because obviously, you could wake up in a different city. Could be on a tour bus. Could be in a hotel. Could be in a friend's house. Right. Do you also then go look for coffee, look for breakfast, yes. try to jam? Like, what is what is <laughs> same pretty much the same thing? It depends. It depends. You know, on on the tour and what's happening. You know, uh, on you know when I tour by myself or as Tall Tall Trees. You know, it's usually just me mm-hmm. and one other person. And uh, in those cases, it all depends on what the docket is for the day. You know, it's got usually yeah. got to do with traveling, getting on the road, and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. if I'm on a, a tour with Kishibashi, who I also tour with, you know, and is often on mm-hmm. a tour bus, you know, it's mostly just waking up and yeah, trying to find the best cup of coffee you could walk to. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, yeah, totally. Um, and there's and there's so many things 
from this that I kind of want to dive deep on. Um, first off, like I, I first discovered you, uh, or, or knew, knew you were a, uh, artist before I knew you were an artist as in like, I had, I've, I've long been a fan of, of Kishibashi. And I think moving forward, we just refer to him as K during the rest of this podcast. Sure. We don't just keep, yeah. So K, um, and I know that you've, uh, it was actually a KEXP in Seattle YouTube video of you guys playing Carry On Phenomenon. Mm. Um, and I think you you have a really rad banjo part in that song, oh, yeah. or at least in the recording of that song. And I was first like, I was like, I have always loved K, but I was like, this guy's fucking awesome. <laughs> and then that's when I kind of went down this rabbit hole of, of, you know, listening to you. And I actually discovered that. So like the, the name Tall Tall Trees, <coughs> I learned this comes from a george jones song right correct like it's the yes i'll buy you tall tall trees and all the waters and the seas right mm-hmm. which is it's a rad song yeah it's it's, um, it's an old song old country song uh <laughs> written by george jones and roger miller i don't know if you roger yeah. miller wrote um king of the road famously and the peter mm-hmm. and the uh the theme from robin hood and stuff like that mm-hmm. yeah yeah um old school yeah good stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so um w- g- going back to that so like i want to focus on uh, like, as I just said, I want to talk about you playing with others and focus on your, your more, more of your solo work than kind of go into more of the musical composition work. So going back to playing with Kay and that, that song, it just, it just looks like you're always having so much fun. <laughs> like I I've seen Kay play with you and Emily Hope Price, mm-hmm. um, and a few other very incredible musicians. Um, is there a certain like song of his that you just get like super excited to play every single time you, you it, like it comes up um that's a great question I, you know i i love k's music i've always loved k's music since before he was kishibashi you know before mm-hmm. he he kind of dialed in, in on his sound and stuff you know uh i mean he's written so many amazing songs you know uh, it's hard yeah. to say you know we have the thing about that uh, I really enjoy playing with Kay is that we shake it up a lot. You know, we, yeah. we tour in different ensembles with different, you know, people and it's always different. You know, we've played in a rock band format. We've played just a duo. We've played with a full mm-hmm. symphony orchestra like together. And yeah. like, this is what makes it up. But, you know, I mean, mostly it's just like playing music, looking over at your buddy that you've known for, you know, we've been friends for over 20 years you know playing music together that's amazing so, yeah, yeah i mean favorite song i don't know i mean i am the anti when i first heard him do i am the antichrist to you yeah solo like on the first tour like that was one of the songs like we he hired me to be his band basically like you know and i was that's like amazing. okay cool and i would sit out for a couple songs and i am the antichrist he would play every night and just like you could hear him and drop like he that was dialed in right from the very beginning the loop the whole thing that he does and this beautiful mm-hmm. lotus flower of a of a bloom happens with this loop that he makes and it's in an odd time signature it's really unusual but yeah, man beautiful. and you know considering knowing him for so long and knowing what the song is probably about and like you know mm-hmm. like Oh man, I get chills even thinking about it now. And I'm so proud of him that he's connected with so many people. 
you know, and that song yeah, in particular, I mean, making it to like Rick and Morty and stuff like that's mm-hmm. epic, <laughs> epic stuff. No, it's, it's insane. Um, I, I'm sure you've talked about the story publicly before, but I actually don't know it. How did you and Kay meet? We met in New York. Um, he, uh, someone brought him over to my house. I w- at the time I was like, I lived in New York city and mm-hmm. I was fresh out of, um, music school i went to school the new the new new school i did i went to the new school uh jazz and contemporary music program which was more amazing that i even could have comprehended at the time but you know my classmates were people like robert glasper who's like pretty much you know the most prolific famous jazz pianist today you know people like that like for my classmates you know lakeisha benjamin is blowing up right now on the jazz scene as well but um but yeah, it's uh we met back in those days. I was I I had gone off on a tangent, you know, it's kind of a long story, but I was what I imagined my career trajectory to be at that time was I was going to be a session bass player and touring bass player mm. for people. You know, I study, I put I definitely put 10,000 10, hours into playing upright bass, double bass, you know. Yeah, double bass. And yeah. that was like and electric bass as well was from my mm-hmm youth as well but um you know I, I imagine that's what i would do and I, you know i was composing um but i you know I, i've studied in the jazz world but i kind of started to go on some tangents outside there were many years i was just dedicated to jazz music you know i'd listen to nothing but i was obsessed with it you couldn't even tell me about anything words or you know i was <laughs> that's amazing but after yeah. a while I, I i kind of got a little tired of it and i started thinking outside of the box as far as where i was always thinking outside the box i was never like yeah seems like the straight edge like i'm gonna be this traditional you know player i pull out your jazz standards book and uh, i mean (laughs) i i love that stuff and it's it's, you know but i i feel like you know the world didn't need another person like that you know like you know i felt like the need always to to try and break out of the box so you know i really got a obsessed with brazilian music Hmm. because it's it's very sophisticated like jazz but it also is dance music so i was like oh okay this is like it doesn't have to be you know the standard jazz beats all the time like it could be anything and you know that that got my Hmm. mind so i started like a, a brazilian jazz fusion group in new york that i was writing for and amazing yeah it was bass i was playing bass and it was guitar flute and um and (laughs) percussion it was modeled after this brazilian group called quarteto novo which i love this composer um hermeto pasqual who i was obsessed with and yeah i started writing for this quartet like this and the flute player um zach caldwell who's like a, a really amazing composer as well uh, brought Kay to my house. They were working at the circus together. They mm-hmm. were uh, working for Big Apple Circus, uh, you know, playing for the shows and stuff like that. And uh, yeah, and yeah. Kay, yeah, he brought Kay over. Kay br- had a violin. He had the same three pedals that he pretty much has today, <laughs> 20 years <laughs> ago. And uh, yeah, man, we just hit it off. He's an incredible improviser and just his sense. He's just can hear what music needs and put it in there like on an yeah. instant basis. So we, we were pretty much, you know, instant friends, you know, 
from that, that point on, we had a weekly gig that we got to kind of develop our rapport. And, uh, awesome. you know, that, that band grew from like four people to like seven people. Cause everybody in the band's like, Oh man, we got to bring in my, my buddy, you know? And I, <laughs> yeah. it, it just was like, those are the best kind of bands. But it was like, kind of, yeah. it kind of became like a collective. Everybody was a great improviser and we can just play and just, you know, it was loose and fun and no pressure, mm-hmm. you know? Sounds great. Yeah. So we met in that capacity and as, we both kind of turned to being songwriters and performers under our own names. You know, we stayed in touch until, you know, we kind of came back together. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And you've, you've recorded on a couple of his albums, haven't yeah, you? Yeah. Yeah. We've made some records together. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. The last few we've, uh, we've done together. Amazing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, I, I just I I don't want people to seem like I'm I'm interviewing Mike to to talk about K, but it's yeah. it's important I think always to learn the lens of how someone gets involved or introduced to right because I would have never heard of you if I hadn't heard of K, and I would have never heard of K unless I yeah. I watched the fourth phase in 2016, uh-huh. and that's how and you found it. That's how I found that's, him, that's right? Because I was I was a big like yeah I was a big working in the outdoor scene. Yeah. Uh, I, I was always a percussionist growing up, mm-hmm. except I was like, the, the story I always tell is I had a, I was doing, I was at a local conservatory in Massachusetts. This was in high school and I, they were wanting me to do jazz standards. And I was like, all right, this is fine and whatever. And he gave me this like book of like, here are the top 10, you know, jazz beats you have to learn if you want to be a jazz percussionist. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, that's cool. And so <laughs> he's like, all right, you have a month to learn it and then come back and play it for mm-hmm. me. And I was like, okay. Cause I'd already, already gone through years of like, this is how you do everything else. Mm-hmm. So this was like the, now let's put in something. And so instead of learning that, I learned uh, all the moving pictures by Rush and played that instead for him. Yeah. Uh, and then at that point, he kind of realized he's like, you don't really give a shit about jazz. And I was like, I love listening to jazz. I have no interest in being a jazz percussionist. Yeah. I just want to like play classics. Like I'd love to just play Rush and Led Zeppelin <laughs> and just like jam with my friends all day. Yeah, right? So that's what it kind of stuck mm-hmm. with. Right. Um, but it's interesting. So that, that, cause I love the art of flight. I remember, the Art of Flight, which was the kind of the precursor, if you don't know, like Kurt, Kurt Morgan's uh, like first crazy snowboard film. It was the one that really like broke onto the scene as like, uh, you know, amazing audio, amazing visuals, mm-hmm. like full budget Red Bull oh, snowboarding yeah. film. Yeah. Right. And I remember I remember watching it in study hall senior year of high school back in 2012. Mm-hmm. And um I was like so torn as to what to do next. I was like, you know, you have that crushing thing of like, oh, go be a something professional. And the other side's like, go do something crazy and cool, right? <laughs> um, and I remember I was like supposed to be doing like AP chemistry homework or something. But said I watched this movie. I was like, I'm either going to turn in my homework or watch this movie. And I was like, I'm going to watch this movie. And funnily enough, midway through the movie, the head of the science department came. I've never told the story before. The head of the science department came into the classroom and was like, can I talk to you? And she's like, yeah, your, your grades in this class really aren't good enough. And the last day to drop is tomorrow. And I really think you should drop this class, the AP chemistry class. I wasn't doing homework yeah. for. And I kind of like, sure that's like the universe kind of telling me, I was like, mm. I feel like I shouldn't, I'm not going to waste my time. So I actually at that point kind of dropped out of all my AP classes yeah. and just kind of focused on like, I want to ride bikes. I want to play music. I want to go learn something else. But like, so that movie was always like important to me as that. So when the second one came out, I was like, I have to. And then. It was, I think, because he did the score for that soundtrack and in Fantasia Mm -hmm. was in that movie as well. And so, like, I had heard the score and I was like, this is beautiful. I loved playing orchestra. Like, orchestra is like my favorite Mm -hmm. thing always growing up to play. It's like, this is, I want to find out who this is. And then in Fantasia came on and I was like, 
who who is this dude? Yeah. Right. And then I stopped it, went down a rabbit hole. That's when I discovered you. That's when I discovered um Josh. Um I forget his last name. Um he he was the drummer when you guys toured last year. Um Oh Josiah. What's his name? Josiah, Josiah. Josiah you were um, talking about why. Yeah. He's uh yeah, so so yeah, sorry to get on a, a little tangent, but yeah, so it's it's so cool um how you discover new music. Yeah. And like I found that most of the time I discover my favorite music through like movies or like short films yeah. or YouTube videos and then like friends I trust being like yo you got to listen to this person. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it's 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 been fun. The last before we can kind of move on from the this kind of conversation about working with him mm-hmm. and move on more about you is so I've always been long a big fan of this YouTube channel called Blogotech. Yeah, of course. Um, and it, for for the longest time, like no one heard of them. And like I it was always like my favorite thing to show people in college. Like, dude, you should check out this YouTube channel. You can spend days on here just seeing like the yeah. most raw. And you, alongside, it looks like Emily Hope Price and Kay perform Marigolds in Paris, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that is still like when I'm when people are like, oh, I'm new to like you or Emily or Kay, which I listen to, I send them that. Oh, cool. Because like, cause, cause to me, like, I just want to know, like, what was it like working with them? Cause it's, cause they seem to over and over again, like record the most like raw and organic mm-hmm. and like beautifully produced things. Like what was that like working with them? Like I've never been able to ask someone that question. That's a good question. You know, I mean, I remember, I mean, blog tech became kind of a thing in like the, in like the mid 2000s, when yeah. like indie rock yeah Flea Foxes yes. and, those like yeah. vincent moon i think is the guy who yes. originally came up with this i don't think he, he wasn't there when we did it i don't think i, I i'm pretty sure i would have known i don't mm. i don't i can't yeah. recall what he, <laughs> he probably would have yeah, yeah yeah but um yeah, sure. you know in those days yeah when it was just so rogue they were just like you know filming people mm-hmm. walking down the street singing their songs so it was fresh it was in the early days of youtube <laughs> awesome. and stuff yeah. but yeah they were super pro it was really cold i remember i haven't not mm-hmm. i haven't listened to it probably since actually maybe i saw it once when mm. it came out but i'll link it below for every yeah yeah i gotta to check it that's out a, that's a good it's, i remember being cold um, and i remember we had uh like a, a beautiful coffee and croissant right after <laughs> i mean what what else but they were, were, you, were you in paris for another reason we were, or did you go for that no we were playing them? a show i'm sure you know cool. i'm sure we were yeah. playing somewhere yeah. in paris yeah um it's cool because they don't say no one says no to them like if they're in paris they're like hey you want to record something everyone's like yeah yes, it was a thing know? i remember it being a to-do i can't remember yeah we were in a van for that tour and we were mm-hmm. it was like a travel thing i remember maybe we were kind of rushed we had to hop in the van and just like get out of there right away to, to leave. So I remember we did squeeze it in, but yeah, it was cool. And, cool. and, uh, we were all yeah. a big fan of, of blog tech. So it was, it was cool to, to finally cool. do one. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's one of those. Yeah. They're just, just rogue. Yeah. They just present yeah, they're just artists cool. like raw and in strange places, yeah. sometimes uncomfortable places sure. and you know, For sure. good things can happen. Yeah. Yeah, I think I look at my favorites, and I want to turn it turn into a conversation about, about Blago Tech. But like, uh, mm-hmm. they had Sigur Ross play in a like a French pub. Yeah, um, they had <laughs> Alt J play in a museum. They had Benjamin Clementine play in a library. Mm-hmm. Like the like the weirdest yeah. you know collection of things. 
Um, yeah. A good one also is Lumineers when they they got the entire concert for the, the song The Big Parade. They had everyone walk down the street with them as they played The Big Parade, Amazing. which is like pretty meta. Yeah, but dude, but cool. yeah, cool. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so going back to your time in school, mm-hmm. uh, when you were kind of – so the, for people that don't know, like the new school, the, the jazz program um, is – probably the best in the world at that it's up I would there say. it's up there uh, with berkeley and yeah um, it's definitely one of the big ones as far i mean i can't sure. i'm still in awe of the amount of people that i got to study with there and the faculty yeah. there you know they were just legends so many legends i was mm-hmm. just posting or talking to a friend on instagram he um he posted a picture with reggie workman who was like the department mm. head at the time, maybe still is, yeah. but I mean, Reggie Workman played with John Coltrane and Wayne Shorter, mm. and Sonny Roll, like all these amazing, you know, he was a bass player and of the times, you know, he knew. Yeah. And, you know, we learned from people who really did it, you know, in the thing, in the right? thing, they, they were there and they were like, yeah. and they were out there and they were like, not your usual professors, yeah. you know, they were like, mm-hmm. they were artists and theorists. They weren't, it wasn't like going to a normal college where there's like a, there is a curriculum, but the mm-hmm. curriculum is really just the lattice that holds together the sculpture, you know, like the, the yeah. whatever art is. <laughs> it's, yeah, totally. But yeah, I mean, I do. I reflect back on that often and think, you know, how lucky I was to hmm. be able to do that. Is there a particular uh, instructor or mentor or moment or event or something that really sticks out in memory when you look back and think about your time in school mm-hmm. that kind of like really cements about like, you know, you almost kind of like that's when you realize like this is the path yeah. I'm on, right? Anything like that? Mm. I mean, I did. I had I had some amazing mentors. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it, as a, as a musician and a bass player, you know, in my early days, I was obsessed with, you know, every musician wants to be technically brilliant. You know, every musician mm-hmm. wants to be, have like the facility to do anything that they want, the chops, you know, the things that get people's attention. If you're a musician in, in a young musician's mind is like how good you are, how, what, where your chops are at, you know, like, being in New York in a jazz school with like, you know, side by side with people like Robert Glasper, like you have no, like, you know, um, way to, to, you know, compare yourself to some of these people. And it's, it's all, it's a very competitive thing. You know, I always called it full contact jazz, you know, it's like, because you'd go out to the jam <laughs> sessions, you I know, the late night jam sessions and like, you know, you'd get up there and like try and, strut your stuff among all these people do trying to do the same thing. And it's, you know, it was, there's a lot of, there was a lot of patriarchy to it. There was a lot of like machismo and kind of alpha male, you know, I mean, and female, but Mm -hmm. the female contingency at that time was very small, you know, like, yeah, to be a a woman in a jazz school, I can't even imagine what they would go through. I, I, yeah. No, scary, scary. But, Hmm. you know, it's those things that you learn, you know, and those are the things that fade away. You know, they fade into the the background when you start discovering your own personal voice as an artist and what you are, what you want to do, what you think you can do. Um, So, you know, the people that guided me, you know, people like 
like Reggie Workman, you know, or this mm-hmm. amazing bass player, Francois Mouton, who was like one of my like real champions. He was a French bass player from Paris mm-hmm. in New York. And, uh, and he, I was his only student. Uh, he, he was outside of the school <laughs> curriculum and I, I seeked him out cause I would love to the way that he played. He was very unconventional and very, incredibly different you know that i pursued him to be my teacher and you know the the school accepted and i was his only student and we would sit and play for hours three four hours just two basses playing together in his apartment and like the time that he gave me you know was very precious and you know and really kind of you know when you're learning to be a musician it's not just the notes and the instrument and the technicality of it it's the spirit of what it means to be a musician you know what the -hmm. responsibility that it is and it's not about you it's about the people that are beyond you that are you know sharing the space and listening to what you're doing like you know it's a language and it it demands respect you know and that's Mm -hmm. that's what i learned through these guys more than technical whatever you know about music it's it's how to be a musician how to communicate how to be honest you know Mm -hmm. instead of are you still in uh, contact yeah exactly are you still in contact with with uh, your old uh teacher mentor um you know it's been a minute it's been a minute i did see him not uh, i mean it's been probably 10 years you know yeah no Hmm. I, i wish i was more in contact but he's you know he's these guys don't want to be on Facebook and stuff. They, you know, they're no. beyond that. They, they just want to play. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you know, play. that's, yeah. you know, it's a charmed life. Yeah. You know, you know. just focusing <laughs> on one thing and you get to kind of just be obsessive. Like it's, it's one of the, I think I love music for that reason and love talking to musicians because like it's one of the few, uh, career fields. We can call it career field. It's one of the few like interest areas where like, the more obsessed you are, the more revered you are almost. Mm. And sometimes in a toxic way, mm. right? Like there, there is a lot of, I mean, so something that I, I noticed recently is like for every artist out there that literally paparazzi will follow mm. their every fart mm-hmm. and sneeze, right? <laughs> there are thousands of other musicians that are far more talented, that oh, make yeah. far more interesting music that no one will ever have a chance yeah. to even listen to. And that, that just pisses me off, right? <laughs> like I'm sure, I'm sure it drives you crazy, right? Cause you're, you, you, you live in that yeah. world where you see it on both sides, right? Yes. I mean, um, I've made my peace with that. It's, you know, good. one thing I did, you know, when I started kind of veering away from the jazz world, is this one mm-hmm. of what one of the observations I had? Because I kind of like started, I, you know, I started writing songs and singing. You know that that is something that I I, I had done before, but I never really focused on. I just kind of did it once in a while because it made me happy. But when I started focusing my music to be more of a songwriter, like singing thing, I I realized something. You know that people started connecting with my music a lot quicker and more you know because i'm putting a voice to it and it's not kind of like this obscure you know instrumental focused chops focused um Mm. you know like kind of music you know and what what it made me realize about jazz is one of the problems with it is like the the better you get like you, you think about people that like john coltrane 
and we're on a mm-hmm. spiritual quest to like yeah. to express the the essence of humanity with a saxophone like the man developed yeah. a language that's far beyond anything that i still can comprehend and most people can comprehend mm-hmm. and like you know yeah. the space aliens will be listening to this music you know like and they probably yeah. are because it's it's so far beyond you know and mm-hmm. not that it can't be dissected and studied but the spiritual quest that he was on you know brought him to years in the future in which mm-hmm you know most normal music listeners will take you know years and years to catch up and it seems like the better you get at jazz (laughs) the less people get it and understand and can connect with it they might be mystified by it but like yeah you know when i started to like veer off into songwriting and i really became passionate about american folk music you know because i went on this whole brazilian music tangent where i was like i listened to nothing but brazilian music and and then that led me to african music bulgarian eastern european music i was like what are they doing there it was like the i was buying like crazy amounts of cds from foreign countries because i was like what does turkish music sound like and like i started developing a love for this right around the time where napster was a thing so like i would just like bang download all this like crazy music from all over the place and my ipod was like a disaster but it was a beautiful disaster you know and i realized like even just hearing the voice even if i didn't understand the language was was cool you know but Mm -hmm. all of that led me back to realize that i knew nothing about american folk music and country music i knew i I grew up in new york i'm a kid from long island i never grew up with banjo or or you know although i have recollections of hearing it and Mm -hmm. and and digging it as a kid i never you know i grew up with like you know the radio and 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 actual like you know like hip-hop from new york and stuff like that you know but Mm -hmm. which was called rap old school time old school yeah Yeah. (laughs) well music transcends right like that's that's something i always say not to sound cliche but like music does transcend right it's like you know people always ask me that dumb question you know the playground question like if you had to lose all your senses you could keep one of them what would it be and like i always say hearing is the last one i don't want to lose right like Mm -hmm. you know i think you know it's it's be a lonely existence (laughs) lonely existence right and i'm i'm just thankful that i had a mom who you know, it was okay if I wanted to smash on the drums at age 11 instead of playing, doing homework for a while. Right. And like, she did her best because I woke up every Sunday to jazz music and I just thought it was awesome. My sister hated it, but I, I loved it, you know? So kind of going down this music discovery pipeline before I move on to asking you about American folk music and how you kind of started going really deep on the banjo would be are there are there any like mentors in music that you've never met or could never met meet right so like my good example is like so from a percussion standpoint like neil pert was like yeah. god to me and i never i saw rush live thankfully before he passed away in 2019 i saw them twice um and i, I knew i was probably never gonna be able to meet him or talk to him or like play with him or anything close to that but like he still meant the world to me. so like yeah. what are what are some figures like that for you like who have you looked up to that maybe passed before your time or he's never yeah. had a chance to well i mean yeah one of my heroes like w- 
probably one of the most impactful musicians that shaped who I am today. I just got in the same room with uh, over the summer, Ooh. and I was so nervous. I've never this never happens to me. I was like, I can talk to anybody, you know. I, I but um, Les Claypool was like mm. my hero. Like when I was 15, 14, I was just starting to play electric bass and like Les Claypool and Primus came out and I had never heard anything mm. like that in my life, and especially as a bass player. My mouth was, a, you know, my jaw dropped and I went, I started trying to learn how to do that stuff, you know, and that, yeah. you know, that led me into the world of the weird. You know, before that, I was into like, yeah. you know, MTV rock. <laughs> I was into heavy metal, Metallica, Iron Maiden. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, mm -hmm. the grunge kind of alternative zone, you know, turned in music, MTV video generation. Like, and that yeah. was like, oh, that's me. I, you know, I was a skater kid. Yeah. I was like, sure. you know, and yeah, I actually, I, I, I had become friends with Sean Lennon over the years playing shows and, mm. and whatnot. And he's touring in Les's band. So I ended up backstage with, um, with those guys. Uh, yeah, this, this time, uh, this tour around and I, I barely said two words to Les. I couldn't muster. I didn't want to, you know, <laughs> I, I felt so privileged to be backstage with those guys. And, you know, I'm, I'm good buddies with Claude um, Coleman Jr. from Ween. He's the drummer from Ween. And uh, he, he was mm -hmm. there too. And, you know, he brought me there cause he knew that I could be cool and not be a total, you know? Yeah. Want to be. Yeah. Just like kind of, you know, yeah. that guy backstage is Chill. just annoying, you know? So I, I, yeah. I mean, I don't think I could be that, but I kind of like got a little, I couldn't imagine you. Being I didn't get to profess my love to Les that I wanted to. I did to his wife, mm. you know, I hung with his wife and yeah. watched the show. Uh, who's a really That's sweet awesome. lady. Um, but, you know, yeah, Les Claypool for me is like a huge signpost, like as to like, mm -hmm. this is an instrument I'm going to do what the hell I want with it. Like, I don't have to do it, yeah. you know. Oh yeah. The way. As soon as you said his name, I just Jerry was a race car driver started playing in my head. Um, <laughs> yeah. which I know is like a weird connection to that oh, like, man. for a name to have that start playing. Mm -hmm. But that music video where there's like the the nacho cheese and man. I think that album's actually called like Sailing the Seas. It is of nacho called cheese, Sailing I'm the Seas sure. of Cheese. Yeah. It's probably came yeah, out or something in, like that. Yeah. I guess nineteen ninety one or nineteen ninety two that record probably yeah. came out. And it blew my fragile album. mind. Uh and yeah. I'm very forever thankful for it. You know. But um, yeah, I mean that. Uh, another one is uh, Jerry Garcia. Mm. You know, I the the dead is what like kind of um, awakened my eyes to what improvisation was, and like how to be mm. a musician and an improviser. You know, hmm. which do you remember the first time you heard the Grateful Dead? Um, that's a good question. You know, it was probably. I was probably 16, so I'm going to guess, you know, I mean, I know it's it was in the backseat of somebody's car driving around the suburbs listening yeah, to the Grateful Dead, like sure. smoking weed. That was pretty much. <laughs> Sounds great. You know what? Sounds like my experience too. <laughs> yeah, man. There's, there's like Grateful Dead is a band like that. If you don't discover it at that age, like, or that time in your life where you're like, you've got your bare feet out the window listening to Sugar Magnolia, like rolling around the streets with yeah. your friends. Like, it's hard to develop a relationship to it later. I mean, yeah, they've got amazing mm -hmm. hits, like a few, you know, American Beauty, Friend of the Devil, 
or hits that everybody knows and they're classic yeah. American folk. But for the most part, the, the dead have remained, remained a counterculture phenomenon because totally. it's like your vibe finds your tribe, you know, that, that older, yeah. new adage. For sure. Uh, it's hippie music is people that are like open to a different wavelength of getting freaky with your friends dancing and letting loose and letting yeah. someone's play a guitar solo for 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, and that's what we want, right? Like I, I remember the first time I heard the grateful dead, I was with a friend up at a ski, his family ski cabin in Vermont, mm -hmm. you know, fire on smoking weed, hanging out. And the first song I ever heard was Franklin's Tower, oh. which I'm glad it was Kidding? because yeah. it's like, it's yeah, well, because like most people hear the more yeah. famous songs, yeah. but that's a masterpiece. Yeah. And I, I was like, I was like, whoa, what is this? And at that point, I would, I'd have been like, mm -hmm. so my musical journey, it's like, I remember, I have one of those brains where like, I remember all the weird shit in my life. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, I remember most times I heard good music for the first time, yeah. right? Or like a certain artist for the mm -hmm. first time. And I remember I heard like Metallica for the first time and Rush for the first time. <laughs> all these I wish I had those memories. I have like a more yeah. more clouded <laughs> vision of That's it's fine, more though. of a I mean as soup, long as it's all know? entering. I can tell you the year when the record came out, you know, just because I know where <laughs> well, I was. That's better than me. I don't know. You know. Yeah. Like I usually underestimate or overestimate by a ten years oh, yeah. at least. So no, I'm usually um, within another, a year or another two, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Another uh, bass adjacent player that always comes to mind when when having these conversations is, is uh, Jaco Pistorius. Yeah, um, I mean Jaco, I discovered a little and the chicken. Later. Oh yeah, yeah, the chicken. It's the first yeah. thing. If you if so, <laughs> I mean the thing, the trajectory is. I mean, you're you're a kid listening to like weird alternate uh, alternative rock mm -hmm. and you know whatever Primus and Rush are. You know, Primus, I was into Rush. As yeah, well, Rush. Yeah. You know. Rushes, but um, but you know that so leading to Grateful Dead, which is like you know another lotus flower of improvisation, mm -hmm. where you know they take chances, you know, and and yep. being really into that, and eventually getting into fish, you know, as well, mm -hmm. because I was about to ask about fish, yeah, yeah, yeah of course, fish, <laughs> because that's what happens. Mm -hmm. Like it's you're you're going down the road. It's like yeah, no, it's, it's like okay, happen. you know, you know, and like you know, being in my twenties, I love. I loved fish and started, you know, following them around too. I probably saw, you mm -hmm. know, probably like 40 something shows, I guess in the nineties. Yeah. That, but that's what you do if you like fish, yeah, right? That's what you did. You got your Birkenstocks, yeah. you, but you know, you got yeah. your fanny pack with a, some, you got your acid, you got your weed, <laughs> you got some beer, you know, you just I mean, have some, yeah. that's what my mom said. It, at it least, felt so, like, yeah. like the late nineties felt like, what I imagine like the late sixties felt like in a mm -hmm. different way. I, you know, at least yeah. where I was like, I was surrounded with people that were into the dead and fish and playing mm -hmm. guitars on porches and, and uh, you yeah. know, and there was the Woodstock, there was Woodstock 94, yeah. 90, you know, the, the error, it seemed mm -hmm. like, I don't know. I know culture is kind of every 30 years. It seems that culture is kind of harking back to the, you know the previous you know thing like now the kids are so obsessed with 90s and stuff like that which is like totally yeah. true all this new music it's i hear awesome. i'm like this sounds like you know sounds like yeah gin this is sampled stuff. yeah if it's yeah, sampled yeah, exactly. from, but you know well that's the thing it's like yeah yeah sampling is is gone unhinged honestly and <laughs> uh, a good and a bad way yeah yeah speaking oh, of 90s i'm actually uh uh, so I'm here in Seattle, and uh, oh, cool. me and a few friends were seeing uh, Queens of the Stone Age tonight. Oh, nice, man! Stoked about. Cool, they were here um, not too long ago. I heard it rocked. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, so like my whole thing was I was looking when to go because like I'm just so slammed with work. I was like, I'm going to miss the starters. I'm just going to go for this. I know that sucks. And like the mm-hmm. starters are sometimes the best part of the show. But like yeah. I just with time and leaving tomorrow and yeah. it was like on Setless FM and it was like the average time they come on stage after the doors open and they're at three hours and 50 minutes right now, <laughs> average the past 10 shows. So I was like, all right, so we're, we're in for it. We're in for a treat. Wow. <laughs> That's what it basically was. Nice. So we'll, we'll see if I, uh, make it but yeah so i guess kind of going back to a few things you mentioned um like talking about rush for a second and getty lee mm-hmm. right so, someone someone who kind of another person i think of like who kind of flipped what the role of the bass player in the band was yeah. on his head right uh singing playing bass mm-hmm. playing keyboards hard so, to do yeah you know, kind of doing his doing his thing mm-hmm. you know um do you have any like what do you, what are your favorite rush albums, songs, recordings? Like, do you have anything that really sticks out to you as like, uh, this is prime. Yeah. Rush for you? I mean, the ones that I, you know, when I was first started studying bass, like I was just studying, I was a kid with mm-hmm. a bass sure. and I had an older kid showing me like <laughs> how, to, mm-hmm. how to play stuff, you know, but he, that, yeah. that guy, he gave my first bass teacher gave me, um, the, moving pictures or let me copy i, I copied the yeah, you know, yeah he used to make tapes he burned it yeah, yeah. Uh, it, we burned it in the cassette days you know but <laughs> yeah, um exactly. uh yeah that that one the first one i bought myself was presto the one with uh the, with the rabbit and the hat on the cover and that i really yeah. loved but that was even past their classic like 70 I, I went back into like 2112 you know those mm-hmm. those records are they're pretty fly by epic. night yeah fly by night yeah. Uh, Hemispheres is probably my favorite because yeah. you have the trees, which is like one of their most like mm-hmm. ethereal songs. Yeah. You have La Via Strangiato, which is one of the most crazy guitar mm-hmm. songs ever written in my mind. Oh man. And then I love their, like s- sometimes in the car and, and my, my current, my, my girlfriend now like has gotten to liking into it, mm-hmm. but like, a song would come on shuffle and it'd be like Cygnus book two, 24 minutes long. And they're like, why is this song 24 minutes? I'm like, I wish it was longer. What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> yes, no. yeah, it's like, it's yeah. like, I love the idea of a, of a four song, 48 minute album. Like that's great. Like, yeah. That that's just, it's they, cool, they can't man. do that. I, well, I know right? you can't, yeah. maybe King Gizzard can't. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, in this day of Spotify, it's, it's a, it's a weird sell and make a 24 minute song um yeah i sent it to friends and they're like "Uh, rob i i love you but i'm not gonna listen to this and i'm like yeah but you'll listen to the taylor swift song eight times in that same period of time like go fuck (laughs) yourself i'm I'm, I'm kind of over this so uh, another area that i always find interesting is like people with deep appreciation for music and at one point played an instrument at some level of competency it could be like a weekend warrior or someone who's like professionally touring Mm -hmm. right all at some point have a period of time where they spend a lot of time with heavy metal, mm-hmm. myself included. Sounds like you included. Oh, so yeah. like, what was that journey for you? Like, cause I, I, I have this undying love for heavy metal mm-hmm. and no one understands. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's funny. I, I had, I, I did have a, uh, like my, in my early, like junior high days for me, that, that was like the beginning of like my adolescence, you know, it's like I was starting mm-hmm. to be independent from mm-hmm. what my parents were doing and whatever and that you know heavy metal you know i was like like 12 in in uh like 88 you know 
like late eighties, I was like becoming a teenager. And like, there was a transition from like this, like hair metal zone where like everything was like all the bands had makeup on and like, you know, ripped jeans and like their hair teased is ridiculous. It's going to go down. It's probably one of the most ridiculous, uh, trends in and, modern and every, music and girls loved it and girls yeah. loved it and loved to it. be honest like loved at that time i was like i want girls to love me like i thought like yeah I'd, who didn't you yeah. know i had uh, i was like you know not that i was teasing my hair but i had a mullet and i was just growing this you know going Amazing. going with the best i can and uh <laughs> you know you know and like yeah there was like a kind of like a i don't know going to high school like starting high school in this time was weird because it was like you know being like kind of a dirt bag, you know, like pretty much like, you know, was like, like basically like Kurt Vile's total aesthetic, which who I love. And that mm-hmm. guy is amazing, you know, but like that, that's a great image. Thank you for, you that, know, yeah. like, but it's like his vibe. I mean, he's like, so like late nineties, like kind of like bummer, mm-hmm. you know, but the metal thing, I mean, the transition, like bands like Iron Maiden was huge mm-hmm. for me. I, you know, mostly because they're, I mean, their music's amazing, but I had friends yeah. in the neighborhood that were into this older kids and they're like, yo, check this out. And you see the art for that, yeah. you know, it's great. Oh Eddie. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. Eddie and they could great. maintain that for f- f- almost 50 still. years. Like they, uh, but maybe yeah, it is 50 years that that band's been like running. They've got this same mm-hmm. artist, you know, like the, their branding was on point and the music was great. Really great. It was killer. It's like prog metal, you know, and Metallica also blew, was blowing up at the time and was blowing, sure. which had like opened the door to like all this amazing thrash metal, which is like oh, a yeah. teenage boy's dream. Like you want to go to a concert, you dream. want to head bang. I saw mm-hmm. Iron Maiden. I saw Metallica, you know, I saw like in their prime, in their, like, in their this prime. Is, this, this is the prime oh, of man. life. And Justice Lars for Ulrich all. shirtless on stage. Oh yeah. And Justice for All is that's power yeah dude like right yeah the black i think i saw them in the black album enter sandman like you know, tour and yeah. and iron maiden like yeah it just like those are the kind of experiences like a teenage boy just like dreams of it's mm-hmm. like yeah uh, but metal you know hasn't aged well with me i do like it actually and i can listen to it mm-hmm. but but i i get after a while, I'm like, all right, it's too aggro. I got, I got cool back, yeah. but I'll go down sometimes uh, like a rabbit hole, and like dig mm-hmm. into same classic yeah. thrash metal, you know, or deep. Do you ever do like really heavy metal? Like I'm talking like, uh, let's see if I can do this. Like, uh, here comes the Kraken, Oshano, uh, Black Dahlia Murder, oh, no. Evil. Like I'm talking like that, like the super screamo heavy heavy metal. Yeah, um, never went down there. I went down that hole for yeah. yeah. I it's it's a fun rabbit hole that's like less than one percent of the population. I have to check sure. it out in the links below. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I will. I will. I mean, I'm gonna remind myself to to. Um, I'm gonna put a saying link all metal music. Yeah, no. So I mean, for me, I was always. So being a drummer, mm-hmm. right? And I love like metal is my favorite thing to practice because I love the technicality yeah. of it. Like people just heard noise, but what I heard is here's a guy averaging 180 BPM <laughs> with his feet while playing a very intensive rudiment with both hands, yeah. right? And you have some pretty amazing drummers like Joey Jordison um, and um, 
Lars Ulrich of Metallica, and um, I'm forgetting the drummer's name of Megadeth. It'll come to me in a second. But um, uh, like the, these guys, like, uh, it'll, it'll come to me. But um, these guys, like, invented these new styles of playing oh, yeah. drums. These were things that, like, you know, my pedals. stick yeah. – double bass pedals and my rudimentary teacher would yell at me for even like trying to do like a snare blast with one hand. Like it's just not allowed. Right. And they were just like, fuck this. So have you ever, there's a great, my favorite rabbit hole that I recommend next time you want to go down is, is Rotor United, the record company, mm. right? Um, Rotor records who is responsible oh, Rotor, for Rotor. Uh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Everything from trivium to slipknot to mm-hmm. um kill switch engage yeah. to uh et cetera et cetera et cetera right they did something called runner united back in 2005 or six i think mm-hmm. and what they did is they created team captains and they were members of some of their recording artists like joey jordison was one of the captains and um with a guy from job for a cowboy i'm blanking on his name their their bassist was one of the captains and they said you can pick from any of the artists inside of the bands that Rodan represents <laughs> and you're going to write new music together and play these songs. That's awesome. And it's this album yeah. that's just like, What's that called? you'll have, it's called Roadrunner United and I will link it below. Yeah. Um, came out 2005 and it's awesome. The like, it's cool because you'll have someone like Joey Jordison who's known for like Slipknot, which is like super heavy metal, mm-hmm. playing a song called Annihilation by the Hands of God, which is like pretty on brand, like what you'd expect from someone like Joey Jordison. Yeah, it's like play. a compilation. But then he yeah, yeah, it's not yeah, it's like a compilation. But it's it's new. Like they were all writing new music cool. with, with each other. Yeah. So like you'd have like the, the bassist from Trivium and the singer from Kill Switch Engage mm. and the drummer from Job for a Cowboy yeah. pl- all playing a song that they wrote together and there's a documentary that you can find on youtube that that goes into the process of them writing this yeah. and they're like the all the you know it's metals so like all the recording studios are like rural iowa and like <laughs> swamp water florida and like you know the the shitty part of la you know like they're all in the most random places yeah. but it's there, there's some really good tracks on there um i recommend anyone listening the dagger um annihilation by the hands of god and um yeah, just just watch because some of these the music the musician the musicality of some of these musicians, especially like what some of these guys are able to do, mm. is just oh, it's insane. A, it's totally insane. <laughs> yeah, I've it, got some it's, amazing it's, it's cool. drummer. My buddy, uh, well, uh, from school, new school, this guy Kenny Grohowski. Do you know him at all? You should. It sounds really. He familiar. is like he was like another kind of outlier. Channel? He might Kenny Grohowski. He 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 plays with a number of like amazing like metal band but he's like a jazz drummer that's got this insanity metal chops it's it's just mm-hmm. he's always been like kind of an outlier in the in at the in the jazz school but really incredible yeah but but a lot of metal drummers have gotten uh, their start playing jazz yeah, man a lot of them. yeah a lot of it's them. i mean to do yeah. that it's an endurance it's you have to be an athlete to be able to play like that well, I look at I look at who inspired the modern crazy drummers, and usually they'll say Terry Bozio, Neil Peart, uh, Buddy Rich, um, Keith Moon, mm-hmm. John Bonham. Yeah. Like they're going to say classic rock. They're not. They're not going to be. They're not inspired or, or jazz. Yeah. They're not inspired by like other metal drums. Yeah. They're inspired by people yeah. just wailing away at eighteen toms in front. Yeah, of them. no, you know, it's true, and that's great. Yeah, it's it. So. It's a cool so going back to American folk music mm-hmm. um, and your kind of journey there. So you, you just finished this journey where you were going from, you know, Brazilian, Bulgarian, Eastern European. You kind of came back to this realization. So like what, what were some of the artists or group or individuals that 
from American folk music that really made you go like, this is, this is the thing, yeah. right? Um, yeah, I mean, American folk music is, there's a lot to it. It's like peeling back an infinite onion music, you know, behind something is something else, you know. The cool thing about, you know, like I had said, I really had gotten into like all this music from all over the world. And, you know, I started to realize that I didn't know much about American folk music at all, you know, from my history, you know, whatever you learn in school mm-hmm. or whatever. But, yeah. you know, and it kind of coincided with this banjo journey. You know, I, mm. I was in Brazil, I was uh, playing in Brazil, kind of somewhat sometime after school, I, I there was a, a, a group that I was collaborating there with that was kind of like a Brazilian music, they were all we were all kind of jazz student you know, graduates or whatever. And, you know, we had our degrees and we were trying to figure out what to do. And we were, you know, all into Brazilian music and, and the leader of the group, this guy, Scott Kettner, who's a great friend and was really, um, ahead of his time, you know, um, as a young, uh, man, but he went to travel to Brazil and kind of connected with this drum group down there in the northeast of Brazil in a place called Hasifi. And, you know, as like an American, just white kid traveling around Brazil and like hungry for like information as a drummer, you know, actually the the great uh, uh, Billy Hart jazz drummer was his teacher and told him to go to Brazil and and find this music. And he did. He went on like kind of like a thing and he came back and like, you know, he's like, you got it. You guys have to come see this, you know. Um, you know, what's happening in this like rural area of Brazil that he, you know, had traveled to and connected with. And he wrote a grant and, and was able to bring a band down there to record with this, um, drum nation. They call them nations down there. They're like these, uh, Mm -hmm. traditional drum groups, you know, and yeah, that, that's, we went down there and we, collaborated with this drum group to make a record um i was playing bass and uh yeah it was it was an amazing experience because a lot of the guys couldn't speak english i could not speak portuguese we just kind of talked and recorded together and taught each other things and it was a profound experience um for me in in terms of like rhythmic possibilities because it's funny when, when you think about American music, there's not a lot of names for rhythms and stuff. We've got our rock and roll. We've got our, you know, our country music. We've got our two step stuff, but there's not a lot of like names for rhythms. People aren't like, they're not fluent in this kind of things, you know, but in, in cultures like Brazil, there are specific rhythms that are traditional and, carry through a culture and a lot of the music is 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 connected to this there's like a connective traditional thread that runs through the music you know you listen to a lot of latin culture music and and um you hear these things bachata and you know some of this most famous music that's like you know it makes all the popular music yeah, you because know, it's it's hinged yes. on this, but American music is different. Everything. You know, American music like and mm-hmm. British, you know, kind of music influence a different 
um, monster into the world. But when you go to Brazil, like, you know, there's these traditional rhythms that have got ingrained in me then and have stuck with me like for the past 25 years, you know, 20 years. Um, and, but the funny part is when I was there, you know, I had an electric bass and a lot of these jam sessions were happening in the streets. You know, people were outside in the streets, yeah. eating, drinking, playing, you know, drums and, mm-hmm. and guitars and stuff. And I had my electric bass and I was just like, I was totally left out. You can't, without an amp, <laughs> yeah. you're just like impotent, you know? So I found yeah. this little music store and I found this little banjo. They actually have a, uh, a banjo in Brazil called the Cavaco, which is like a, it's kind of like a mini ukulele kind of banjo, but they do this like cool, fast street samba strumming stuff on it. Mm-hmm. If you look yeah. it up, it's called Cavaco, C-A-V-A-C-O. I'll link it below. Yeah. People are curious. Yeah, it's something to check out. But um, but I bought one of these things and like I had messed with a banjo before, you know, just for fun, writing songs or whatever, but I never had really taken it seriously. And I started, you know, uh, this one was actually made out of a hubcap, which was really funny. And I started, you know, picking around on it. So I had an acoustic instrument to like jam in the streets with people, you know, and that's how it started. I, you know, I got home, I brought that thing home to New York and, you know, I totally had forgot, but I had a five string banjo in my closet that someone had given me (laughs) at some point. Um, That's awesome. And, you know, I pulled it down from the closet and this five string banjo, like after so many years, I spent so many hours and hours like playing double bass, like lugging it all over the place, sticking out of, you know, cabs and running down mm-hmm. the street with it. And, you know, this banjo is so light. <laughs> I was like, eh, this is awesome. <laughs> I just, I instantly started writing songs. And I was like, oh, wow, this is cool. You know, I was re-inspired by some, a different perspective of what music could be. You know, I started singing and playing both the little banjo and, and the five string banjo. And I, after going to music school, I was like, Oh, I understand how this thing works now. I can just figure it out mm-hmm. and like, you know, and add this to my repertoire, you know, but so the, the, the banjo led me to the folk music, you know, cause I realized like, I don't know anything about this you know, bluegrass. I mean, I knew a little bit, but I didn't really know. And now I had this new kind of like set of ears after going to school and understanding music on a little bit of a deeper level. I could, I could take what I learned there and start putting it back into like, how to, how do I connect with my culture? You know, cause being in Brazil, yeah. I was like, I'm connecting with this really incredible, like deep rooted tradition. And I'm like, I don't even know what mine is, you know, or, or, America. Mm. So, you know, that led me back and it's a ginormous, ginormous <laughs> hole to jump into when you're thinking about American roots and culture and what's now called Massive. Americana, you know, which, yeah. you know, uh, it's, it's, it's vast, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I, I just kind of, it was the days of like, it was before streaming service. So I just kind of, stumbled into things bought cds by random like oh hank williams oh i think my grandfather used to listen to that you know like oh wow (laughs) cool hank williams crossed with brazilian music that's interesting what if you play this country song in like this kind of faho rhythm rhythm is what we were doing Mm -hmm. with you know with uh, nation beat you know this group that i was playing with but you know 
Oh, Willie Nelson, you know, I don't really know Willie Nelson's music, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's so vast what you can get into. And then once you start looking at who those guys heroes were, then you start, yeah. you know, uncovering this like tapestry of American culture that is still very prevalent today. I live now in Asheville, North Carolina, which is in the, mm -hmm. um, just in the center of Appalachian old time bluegrass music, mm -hmm. you know, the traditions, you know, the first Jimmy Rogers broadcast on the radio was happened in this town, you know? Yeah. It's amazing. Carter family is only a couple hours away from here. You know, it's deep. Yeah. Asheville is known for that, you know, and I, I was going to ask about that cause I knew you were based there. Mm -hmm. And so do you ever just, cause I know, I know like a lot of, um, towns, I guess there's there several places like like that. I, let me rephrase this. Do you ever just go out and jam, or like we'll, we'll like go and play at a at a club or a bar or some kind of venue, or do you kind of just go out and enjoy yourself? Or like, what's your kind of how do you get involved in your local music scene? Yeah, that's that's actually something I've been really trying to do more. Uh, the music scene here is insane. I, it's yeah. it's really cool. I, I don't think you know leaving New York is a hard thing to do because you get so used to. Mm -hmm everybody being amazing and everything being high level, you know? So, you know, I was, I was scared to leave that, that community, but here it's ridiculous. There's such an amazing and varied music scene, you know, when it comes to a lot of, uh, you know, the traditional music as well as like indie rock there's tons of indie rock blowing up out of here now and and the jam world mm -hmm. as well you know there's a lot of people that love like the jam scene so you know all these things kind of crossed into some cool funky stew that's got like southern appalachian you know yeah twang to it yeah. you know it's cool Twang is the right yeah. word, for sure. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, I need to get out and jam more. I've been so busy. I really, but there's an old time jam like every day, basically. <laughs> yeah, and the, but that's amazing, right? Like that's, yeah. that makes it, yeah, I mean, so I don't really know. I'm actually, it's actually just Googling it, seeing like what are some recent artists that, that came from Asheville, mm -hmm. and there's a lot, but someone I actually, uh, I'm a huge fan of, and I actually got to see them last summer before they shut down their tour. Uh, who's from Boone, which is like another mountain North Carolina mm -hmm. fun music town, is Rainbow Kittens. Oh, yeah, 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 they're um, awesome, and they're they're a rad bunch of people. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I saw them at Red Rocks last summer, and that was mm -hmm. that was incredible. Um, yeah, yeah, I was, I was gonna ask you, like, are there so you know, so you know the jazz world well, you know now the American folk world well, and you've also toured with people like Kay and other people mm -hmm. and gone to a bunch of different venues all over the country. Yeah. Are there any venues worldwide that you'd like love to play at? I know Red Rocks usually like people say Red Rocks all the time. Is there short lived? Like I'm wondering for like you personally, like where are those like places you'd love to play at some point in your life? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Red Rock, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who wouldn't, right? No, <laughs> I was Rocks, just right? actually there too, but, uh, in Denver and I had never even been there. I, there was a, mm. an opportunity for uh, Kay played at Red Rocks opening up for, um, uh, I, I believe it was Devochka. And, uh, mm. he asked me to go and I, I had a conflict. I couldn't do it. So I missed that opportunity, but, but I'm sure another mm. will appear. I'm sure um, it'll, it'll pop up. I mean, there's, you know, I, I, I've not played at, uh, 
at um, Radio City, you know, Music mm. Hall. Which as a New Yorker, like, is, yeah. you know, important. Yeah. Right? Um, From a jazz perspective. Mm-hmm. You know? I don't know, man. I mean, the the ones that that you wish you Lincoln could play Center. that you don't even know about. I mean, Lincoln Center, yeah, yeah exactly. you know, it's like yeah. sometimes you show up to a place and you're like, wow, this is incredible. Yeah. But the, as far as the iconic ones, I've checked a few off the mm-hmm. list. You know, it's uh, yeah. it's it's fun, man. I'm just I feel lucky that I get to uh, do this for a living, and you know, yeah. I I don't do a lot of research, so I'm constantly surprised. You know. As to what I'm doing, I like and where I'm going. You know? Yeah, it's not, it's I, I love that kind of take on life. It's almost very scientific, right? Yeah. It's like, so I work in my world with a lot of scientists and researchers, and half them like have the blueprint, know exactly where they're going. Mm-hmm. The other half of them are just kind of like, yeah, we're gonna go in a couple of different directions and see what it looks like. Yeah, you know? and I think that's and those ones <laughs> usually are far more successful. Yeah, you know? I, I've never um, been a big planner. Uh, you yeah, know, I, I kind of like to improvise <laughs> in my life and in my music and in all ways because i think the more you plan the more you get let down you know the the more you're open mm-hmm. to experience and whatever happens the the easy you know the the more ability you have to adjust and and adapt and be present you know i think when you're always like trying to force something to happen you know it it doesn't pan out a lot of the time and you're forced to have a plan b as opposed to like when you improvise there is no plan. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know. Right. There's that cliche one liner, the happiness is reality minus expectations, you know? Yeah. Right. It's like, it's pretty true. It is you very know? true. It's, it's, and there's like the trite version of that, which is like, it's hard to be disappointed if I don't expect anything, which is like, mm-hmm. you know, very pessimistic, but yeah, but I, I, I know you're coming from an op- place of optimism. Oh, you're, you're kind of excited by this, mm-hmm. this, this beautiful, but I think music is a lot of that too. Right. It's like, you even said it early on when you're jamming in the morning, you could get down this corridor that you've never entered before. Yeah. And you're like, Holy shit, I gotta, I gotta press record. This is so yeah. cool. Yeah. You know, well, those things are so, hard, man. The, the, the more, you know, you think about things, the more your brain is clouded by thoughts. You know, it's, it's I mean, mm-hmm. it's stupid to say, but, but that's yeah. the thing. I mean, to, to connect with the child, you know, the inner, curiosity the the blank mm-hmm. slate the, the thing that's not affected by all the the things that affect a human brain you know that the yeah you know the easier things will appear to you i think mm-hmm. and your more willingness to be surprised by something new you know it's easy to yeah. get caught yeah no in a yeah, I, I actually have a confession that I, so it's actually really something interesting. And I don't know if you've heard this before from other people that like, I don't want to say I used to be a musician, but I honestly, man, like I was playing music so much mm. that I went to college yeah. and the first school I went to, they had a, they had a music program. I wasn't involved with it because I didn't, I didn't want to pursue music as my, as my, as my kind of education, mm-hmm. but the, I think what kind of was like the first, I call this like a line of crushes is I was like, Hey, like I'm happy to pay. Can I just go and do a practice room a couple hours a week and just play a kit? Mm-hmm. Right. Cause like I can't bring a drum set to my dorm room. Yeah. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, and they were like, no, you have to be a music minor at minimum to touch the instruments. Right. And I was like, that's, that's a, that's a shame. Right. And I ended up transferring schools and somewhere else when they, there wasn't really anything there. So like I kind of had this period of time where like I didn't get to touch instruments. Mm-hmm. And then, 
whenever I got home to play my drum set, it was always like, oh, it's too loud. Oh, it's too noisy. So like there's this like the past 10 years, I really have been kind of away from this thing that gave me so much love. And I at this point, I just like kind of turned a blind eye to it. Like it's there as this like tempting thing that like I just want to like sell a few things and buy a drum set and buy a cabin in the woods and just go play music for five years again. Um, cause like I crave that and I miss that. And it's one of those things like, you know, you know, when you put off something, you know, you're meant to do for so long, you just feel like you're almost lost in that particular thing. That's this for me. Yeah. Right. And it's been a really hard thing that I've been talking to my girlfriend about. I'm saying like, this is something I have to do. Like in the next year, like I am going to buy a proper kit again. It's going to be the exact one that I've always wanted. I will save up all the money I, I make for it yeah. and just like have that peace and just yeah. literally peace and peace. Yeah. Right. Oh, uh, I, without it, I'd so be man. dead. You know, I don't even know how. Yeah, me to too. Deal and that's the surprising thing. Without that, because yeah. it for me it expresses something in in me that needs to come out and can't come out any other mm-hmm. way. You know, like I mean, yeah. art for me Absolutely. there was like a, you know, I also loved doing like visual art, like drawing and stuff as a kid, mm-hmm. and like there was a time where I was like, okay, I can't focus on this. Um, <laughs> you know, I need to focus on because it is really i mean someone had said to me you know early on in my studies and stuff like just be good at one thing if you could be really good at one thing you'll be fine you know like and that yeah. and that's true i mean to focus in like you could be good at several things but like mm-hmm. really dedicating your life your pursuits your energy to one thing specifically mm-hmm. is like without that i i'd be a complete disaster you know it's Mm. and it's i've learned every single lesson not every single lesson but i've learned everything that i know through the lens of practicing to be a musician like what what someone like applies to like being a a pilot or a a karate Mm -hmm. sensei or whatever it takes uh you know to to be an astrophysicist or just, you know, something, you know, I listen to a lot of diverse podcasts too. And I'm like, always like, oh, this person has sunk so many hours into, you know, neural science. It's like, yeah, there's no, you can't put a price on this life. You know, someone that's thought about, you yeah. know, brain cells for 30 years. Like, you know, I've mm-hmm. thought about music for 30 years like you know it's you know and like it's yeah. been like a huge and that's awesome, part of right? my like, brain and you know um you know so you know it's the dedication to be able to study one thing you know for me has been you know a blessing but going back to what you're saying like yeah there was a point where i i didn't think i would be a musician you know when i first left high school mm-hmm. and i went to college i was in a pre-med program you know <laughs> like i was mm-hmm. like you know mostly because of conditioning social conditioning and you know yeah. my parents this is what i wanted to to me to be a doctor right. or a lawyer or something professional i got pretty mm-hmm. good grades and you know and uh you know that was what i thought i would be like a pediatrician or something you know I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. And I went to school and I tried that, but I realized I was too much of a social animal and I wanted to, I was in my <laughs> grateful dead zone and I wanted to jam and I yeah. wanted to smoke weed and have fun. And like, you know, I didn't want to go to chemistry class and I didn't. Yeah. And there's nothing <laughs> wrong know? with that. Like it's, that's completely fine. Yeah, no, right? Like there's nothing wrong I with being I think nowadays, like, you know, kids have a wider view of what they can do with their time and what they could be with their life. Yes. 
Like now, the, in those also, days, raised by boomers, like you know, you were a professional. Yeah. That's all I need heard. Like, mm-hmm. be a professional. What does that mean? Yeah. I mean, I ended up yeah, doing it, it, but be professional. But it had Come banjo. On, Michael. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Michael. Yeah. That, what are you gonna yeah, do with your oh, life? Oh, dad. Yeah. yeah. No, it's true. You know, yeah. I did. I went to school and I had an epiphany in the middle. of I went to a concert and I had an epiphany and I quit school the next day. Amazing. You know, and I was like, I need to. How, how far into school were you? Like far. Soft, junior, I mean, not far credit-wise, but far year-wise. Yeah. I was probably in yeah, my got it. third year of college, you know, when I was like, I really tried. I, I, yeah. I didn't really try. I, I didn't want to do it. And I'm the kind of person that mm-hmm. doesn't do what he doesn't want to do. Um, yeah. Unfo- I'm unfortunately, <laughs> you know. To a fault. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so. So. Yeah. What what it kind of what that I think reminds me of of this is that I have this conversation all the time with people that are obsessed and have this passion and and, and make people's lives better with their work and I, I qualify you as someone that falls in that category and it's interesting there's almost always this turning point moment when they realized the path I'm walking up the mountain is not the path I should be taking and the ability to say I'm going to turn around and go back down the same path to go pick a different path. Yeah. That takes a lot of everything. Mm-hmm. It's like guts. It's, it's, it's gut wrenching. It's, it's awful. It's because yeah. I've done something similar. Right. And so, and so like I, I had this conversation with my girlfriend recently, who's like thinking about kind of switching her whole career after she went to college and, and wanting to do new things. And I always tell him like, there are no rules. Like it's just, it's usually an ego thing. You have to accept yourself. Like I did something, it wasn't the best thing. And I'm going to go try something else. Yeah. Right. But there's so many people out there that can't do that, that just stick on the path of what they started in their undergrad or yeah. what they told their parents they wanted to do when they were 12. Another fucking miserable. Yeah. Right. They're drunk every night. They're on antidepressants mm-hmm. and they're not doing anything fun. Yeah. Right. And that's awful. It, I mean, it yeah. is. It is. I hope that the, the kids, uh, you know, of this generation, you know, can somehow, I mean, they're going to have their own set of problems growing up with social media and stuff, but like, yeah. you know, for our, you know, my generation, I'm not sure how you, you old you are, but how old are you? I'm 29. 29. Yeah. So I'm 47. Yeah. So I'm still a child. Yeah, no, yeah. you're not a child, man. That's, that's, I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. like, that's a, that's a real key time, you know? Oh yeah. I'm learning real fast. It's, you know, so if you're <laughs> 27 out there, you know, lean into what you love, you know, like, I, that's Thanks, the man. best and i appreciate you saying that you know i i have a positive effect on people's lives i i hope i do, you do. and i appreciate you know whenever somebody writes me and, and says that because that's why i do yeah. this and you know that's why i chose to to suffer no okay no. yeah. that's why i chose well, to look, you know and and i <laughs> and I say that because you've had a positive effect on mine. Oh. Like, and I know that. And also, like, I, I know that, you know, my mom got super into, she was at the show, the, the third show I was mm-hmm. at with you in Boston. You gave me the set list. I still have the set list you oh, gave nice. me. Like, you're like, hey, man, thanks for coming. You gave me the set. And I was like, I'm going to hold on this for a very long That's time. Cool, but man. for me, you know, I made, I, so I saw all three of your opening sets three nights in mm-hmm. a row. Um, and my mom, who was always the biggest supporter of me mm-hmm. as a musician growing up. Yeah. 
she loved when you pulled out a timpani mallet mm-hmm. and started playing it on your banjo and made this cohesive rhythm. And, and interesting, because when I when I heard that, I was like, that's some, that's like a very, I, I'm now like pulling together like these threads in my mind of like, you spend time in Brazil and like bringing these different things. And it was kind of like this culmination of a beautiful yeah. like semblance of cultures. Like there was American part, there was a South American kind of mm-hmm. vibe and yeah. kind of, I don't know what you call that to that, but but there's that that magic and it's unique yeah. right and that's what makes you know yeah yeah that that right and that's cool and that's and that's awesome and more people need to do that right <laughs> well hopefully i hope you know people uh, will check it out and, and be inspired to to think outside the box i mean for me like that the banjotron like this instrument that i've like mm. developed over the past 10 12 years uh which is like a modified yeah. electrified banjo that also can be yeah. played as a drum, uh, you know, has, has been a constant source of in, in, inspiration for me. Uh, and, you know, and others, I'm sure. I hope, right? I hope so. You know, I mean, I do this, you know, I'm not the most confident. Well, I, I've developed a lot of confidence over the year, but I am not without self doubt and self criticism. And no like, is. I don't think I have the I best can. singing voice or, you know, it's not like, it's not like I've, it's it's a um a bit of cognitive dissonance for me because i mm-hmm. i really pr- want to be humble i want to be quiet i want to be mm-hmm. a peaceful existence that puts out good art into this world but part of that these days is also being a megaphone for yourself because if yes. you're not nobody's going to hear you nobody's going to be mm-hmm. aware of what you're doing and like you know mm-hmm just being someone you know that is doing what they want to do with their lives regardless of of what means it takes to get there you know it's uh it's a struggle you know being an artist these days is not it's not easy it's not like you know you have to be constantly self-aware and now a lot of the revenue streams for artists are being pulled out from under the rug Mm -hmm. you know from streaming and you know, I'm really psyched right. to see that the writers won, you know, in that yeah, me too. Tar- because they're in the same boat. It's like the streaming world is taking the revenue you away from people who are creating mm. things that everyone loves, you know, and yeah. and to not support that is only going to lead us down a road of uninspired art. You know, people mm. need to be inspired. taken care of to be inspired. Yeah. You know, it's like, for sure, if, you know, but anyway, I, I'm going off on a, a tangent there. No, it's, it's a, be- it's a beautiful tangent. Yeah. I think, I think with that, in terms of inspiration, uh, last question I'll ask you before we kind of jump into some rapid fire questions mm-hmm. to get you out of here yeah. on, um, if I were to, you know, pick up your iPod or your iPhone or whatever you're using to play music uh-huh. and I were to kind of swipe through, through your library, would there be anything on there that I think I would be surprised to see, listen to? Um, that's a really good question. I, <laughs> and if you listen to my music, it's pretty out there. And I, I you know, I don't know. Yeah, like, I love it. Yeah. I'm, I'm even thinking, like, I, um, be surprised. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm a sucker for like a good hook, like something like really ridiculous. Like, I get hung up mm. on these ridiculous songs and stuff like that and yeah that would probably be like like, like the I, I i was just producing a record 
um, I had someone in my studio here and like every morning mm -hmm. I kept playing this song uh, called Puppy Dog Bouncing in the Box Like This. Here it is right here. <laughs> Can you hear that? No, I don't think it'll let me hear okay. it. Okay. All right. It's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll link it below it. for yeah, everyone. Puppy Dog yeah, Bouncing yeah. in the Box Like This by Rockstar. I mean, that's like my jam every morning right now, you know? Uh, before that, it was that um, that uh, mumble rapper, uh, the sh -sh 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 guy. I started. <laughs> oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> that yeah. I mean, those kind yeah. of things. Like I obsess over it because I think it's so mm. funny and so. I yeah. love when people stumble into like a mate, like a weird. Yeah, it's like that yeah. kind of stuff makes me happy. You know. Our one hit wonders are my favorite or like this one. So there's a one, there's a song called uh, human mm -hmm. by the band blip, blip, bleep. Okay. Which is the, one of the great most interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Great. Um, and I'm obsessed with this song. Yeah. Anyone that knows me knows that like, I, I will listen to it on repeat 40 times in the morning <laughs> on a walk. Cause I'm just like, I'm just feeling myself yeah. on this song. Yeah, man. I don't really like anything else they have. To be honest, yeah. like I like this song mm -hmm. from them, but like, it just makes me feel good inside. Uh -huh. I'll link it below for people to listen. Yeah. But like there's just a I mean some there's just a great hook. There's a great there's a great melody. It has a great resolve at the end mm. and it just makes me want to like you know it can run be, through a wall. Yeah, it's great, man. It can be stupid as hell. It's just like, you know, the, people stumble on these things, or maybe it's like artfully crafted. I don't know. But sure. often like these kind of just like casual little throwaway little tunes or whatever sure. that uh, they make yeah. me just happy, you know. And and that's the power I mean, of music. I, I fucking love I fucking love Eminem. I don't I mean, oh, yeah. mainly because like my mom, like the third album, third CD I ever got, my mom gifted me the Eminem show, mm -hmm. with the explicit version. Mm -hmm. So like, of course, as a oh, whatever year old I was, like I learned all of it. I knew all the swears, all the words. Oh, yeah. Mom, what does this mean? Rob, don't ever say that word again. Uh, <laughs> oh <laughs> you know? man, I was that age when I, the Beastie Boys and Two Live Crew were like putting out records. I'd oh, be in yeah. bed with my headphones, like, oh my god, they're gonna kill me if they. Were you ever a fan, uh, like a, tri uh, a tribe fan? Of or, course, yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah, you know, that was like golden New York guy. golden era. You yeah. know, I grew up when I Buster Rhymes. Oh yeah, it's um yeah. My cousin, I had a cousin in Brooklyn who was ten years older than me, and he just used to mm. like make these cassette tapes for me. He'd tape off the Brooklyn radio the and like early days of like rap and hip hop, like. Yeah. Yeah. I was obsessed. And it was all happening there. It was like, you know, oh, it was local that, that radio time period. Yeah. For sure. It was cool. Yeah. Well, the crazy thing is this and and from like I love I love being a, a, a historian of music, right? Like I love I, I don't care for learning about like how Beethoven wrote his 7th symphony mm -hmm. to like the you know, the whole story behind NWA and Suge Knight <laughs> and Eazy-E and Dr. Dre and Eminem and how like that whole, like any of those yeah. things I love learning mm -hmm. about, right? Because it's fascinating how the, how, because everyone kind of finds music in their own way, yeah. right? Yeah. Some by accident, by interest. And like people hear Dr. Dre or know of Dr. Dre and people have whatever connotation, but you realize like he was like an old school disc jockey at like a club. Like he was playing mm -hmm. classics, yeah. like pure classics mm -hmm. and then he, he just loved the beat and went from there yeah. right and that's and there's something beautiful about that oh yeah, man you know? music so. it can take you on a journey and it really is uh to connect with something so deeply you know it's a joy you know music can be a total yeah. joy you know 
that mm-hmm. puppy dog bouncing in the box like this song it's an absolute joy for <laughs> i'm gonna me. play it right after this you should you yeah. should i mean there's a viral yeah. video that she, goes yeah. with it um you know I'm sh- the, oh, i'll watch that the youtube okay, video cool. with the little yeah. puppy you know i mean that's how i got hooked in because that puppy was feeling it <laughs> and then i felt it and now I, yeah. you know yeah but yeah it's it's music is a beautiful thing that can really reach across all people creeds raises religion it doesn't matter if it sounds good it makes you happy or it does something to make you feel you know it's necessary yeah yeah you know beautiful Mm -hmm. yeah so listen listen to human by blip blip bleep when we get off i'll link it below if if you forget and it's a first listening people like what is that second (laughs) by the the third time they're like going there's just a they have there's there must be someone on like a synth or some kind of little keyboard there's like always like the booty boop booty boop like it, throughout the entire song and it must be like their kind of thing because yeah. the band's name is blip blip bleep but like it works yeah. for some reason like it i don't know i yeah. just love that all right so I'll, i have a couple rapid fire questions to ask you you can answer these as, as few or many words as you like i try to get everyone out of here using the same questions kind of gauge uh okay interest and so the first one uh you were the first musician i've asked this question so it'll be the most interesting okay which is is there a certain sound that you associate with happiness uh wow, uh, a certain sound I associate with happiness. Uh yes, Casio keyboard. Mm. I'm a huge Casio. Like, this, the, like the, the I love Casio the raw keyboards. Sound it makes up the speakers. Yes, yeah. like this eight bit and like mm-hmm. also uh, Nintendo mm-hmm. sounds, like the oh, sound of a yeah. Nintendo. Just like from the eight bit, I was just actually listening because I, I was making a record in here earlier, and and the singer had this warm up. I was like, I was like, oh my god, that's the end of Pac Man you're singing right there. Like, yeah, yeah. like it brought me right back. I was like, and I was happy, you know. I mean, video games as a kid of the eighties was like, uh, you know, peak sure. peak joy, you know. Yeah. So yes, video game storing is 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 like a everyone's it's so rare nowadays because they're mostly just like you know they'll 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 be a collection of songs on the radio or like Mm -hmm. they do some things yeah but then every once in a while you'll have like call of duty commission Mm -hmm. jack white to write a new song for it and that's like that's cool yeah Yeah. like i'll I'll play that you know like that's that's awesome now for me the Um, nintendo aesthetic you know they've always been pokemon music will always be yeah live rent free yeah man i mean it's like those things that bring you back and like continue to bring you joy what is that? Uh, you know, when you're like walking in the grass and you run into a Pokemon, it's like the. It's like kind of Mission Impossible, like like yeah, you're man. fighting this. It's hitting your you dopamine know, level four it's Hitting your dopamine yeah. drip, man. I was too old yeah. for. Got to catch that Pidgeot. Yeah, man. The Pokemon thing was was um yeah it was after my time, but I mm. I, I can I can see how I, I definitely would have been into it, you know. And, if I was a, a, yeah, a kid, it was the, prime. Oh man, they hit yeah. the same note as, as Nintendo. It's like these really like cool Mario, Super Mario Bros. Collect Super them Smash all. Melee. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Mario Kart had some great ones mm-hmm. too. Sure. Um, if uh, is there a story that your uh, family or parents like to tell about you, from, like when you were a kid? Mm, that's a good question. I mean, there was like. My mom busted out some of my uh, old um, report cards, and I, on my report card, <laughs> uh, one of my report cards said something like, "Michael is an excellent student," 
but makes far too many noises in class. <laughs> like I thought I, I got to find <laughs> it, it is somewhere in the archives, but yeah, that, yeah. that I was like, wow. Okay. Yeah. It's still true. Still true. 40 years later, <laughs> which, you know, which goes to show you that, you know, as a child, if you're careful, you can remain a child. <laughs> you know? Correct. That's my goal in life is to remain. Yeah. It's a good advice. Um, good advice. It, it's funny because my, my, uh, the two notes always came on my report cards when they were like written, like red or green pen. Mm-hmm. Back. Um, and like, I think I was really the last generation to have that because mm-hmm. like everything's online now. Yeah is uh they were like rob uses his desk as a drum too often mm-hmm. um and rob distracts other students with stories that have nothing to do with the subject <laughs> matter at hand too often mm-hmm. right yeah. and i was like yeah because i'm bored yeah. you know i don't care about shakespeare yeah, man so I hear you. <laughs> um, but uh if there was like a single push notification you could send to everyone's phone in a given area what would you want to say where would you send it well that's, that's a deep. It's a lot of power. That's a deep question, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I just got that emergency alert from the government. I'm sure you did too. <laughs> yeah, I did too. I was mid phone call, just, and all I hear in my ear is. Yeah, that's it. Exact, that's exact yeah. power. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think I would. I would just say, you know, be kind to someone. Mm. You don't know Something what they're not going enough, through. Sadly, huh? Yeah, you know. This is something that's not said. Enough. No, man, yeah. you got to be kind. It's it's easy to be angry these days. I'm glad that our news cycle is has is a little chiller than it was, but it's still not. You know, it's, a it's few ramping. Years ago. I mean, look with but, with 2024 and the president's election coming in the next year, like it's going to be hell for yeah. Everyone. No, like, I just I'm not looking forward to it. No, me neither, man. People need to be I don't, easy on each other and understand, yeah. you know, where people are coming. Totally. From, you know. But yeah. And to be honest, I don't even follow the news anymore. Like I deleted all the news apps from my phone yeah, and good for all you. those podcasts and notifications. Cause like it's, it's all noise. Isn't... Like I still, I still hear what's going on. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, like I'll hear recent news. I won't know right away, but like the human brain in my mind, isn't prepared to take the worst fucking thing happening at every, no, man. it's not, it's every not week. a good yeah. diet for your brain. You know, you have to feed your brain, yeah. you know, feed your mind. Like mm-hmm. Grace like said in that song, you know, it's, it, it's, yeah. uh, just listen to some music. Yeah. yeah feed your head rather. But yeah, you, it is, you are what you eat. And if you consume mm-hmm. death and destruction, your heart will suffer for it. You know, you need to Correct. bring joy into your life and, and bring good, art and good culture and you know and feed your head yeah man i couldn't have said it better myself (laughs) um before i get you out of here is there anything you'd like to plug or share or have people check out um uh on their way out like just say they're after this episode they're super stoked to listen to you like where would you have people start uh well i mean i had i put out two records this year which is a first um yeah I put out a record with my friend J.D. Pincus from the Butthole Surfers, who's also my psychedelic banjo-playing neighbor. Uh, me and him made a record um, and put that out called Ponder Machine. That's on Spotify. And mm-hmm. I just released a new Tall Tall Trees record uh, a few weeks ago called... Stick to the Mystical Eye. Stick to the Mystical yeah. Eye, yeah. Uh, and that came out... Um, yeah, that's on Spotify. That's on Joyful Noise Records. Um, yeah, I'll be on tour in October. Uh, and I'll be cool. uh, out with Kishibashi in November, um, help uh, promoting his new movie that's coming out. Yeah. So the, um, I can I cannot pronounce it's it. It's pronounced Omoyari. Well. 
Yeah. Um, Omoyari. It's a difficult. I see it and I'm like, I want to yell something, but I know it's, I don't want to. No, it's, it's, it's kind of one of the points of the movie. You know, the movie is a lot about, um, uh, minority identity in America and fitting in as a, as a minority and things like not being able to pronounce Omoyari because it has more than one constant, uh, more vowel together. Once you put yeah, two vowels yeah. together for Americans, it gets complicated, you know. So, <laughs> oh, for sure, it's, our tongues aren't meant yeah, to. Yeah, no, like, make we're not used to those shakes. sounds. So, but um, yeah, it's it's a beautiful film that Kay made. Um, you know, I, I poke my head in there once in a while, but but yeah, those are the things that are happening right now. I'm gonna try and finish the end of the year, play some banjo, cool. finish some records, and uh, yeah, sounds great. Connect, connect with well, some I'll folks. try to see you. Uh... I'll try to see you on tour just for anyone listening. Cause this, this episode's going to come out in the next few days. Anyone listening right now might want to go see you play. You want to, if there's a quick laundry list of cities you're going to, uh, mostly to East coast. Yeah. I'm doing a mostly East coast, 10 dates. Uh, me and Josiah Wolf, my drummer buddy, uh, we're going out with, who's amazing with, we're going out with Griffin William Sherry, uh, who's an amazing singer, uh, songwriter from Maine. We're playing, uh, down the coast. We're doing Burlington, Providence, doing brooklyn uh awesome. charlotte Asheville, atlanta new market new hampshire i forgot in there um yeah uh yeah fun little venue up there a few a few yeah. more yeah yeah i'm trying to remember yeah charlotte Asheville, atlanta uh raleigh i believe or chapel hill one of the ones in the triangle yeah and cool. uh i'll do my best to yeah come say hi yeah come say hello for sure yeah, I will. I'll send you a message and uh, be fun to fun to kick. Yeah, it. absolutely. Well, thanks for having me it's on, Rob. Time. I really appreciate it. For sure, man. Yeah. No, thank you, you for coming. Yeah. Like this is my pleasure. This has been amazing. So, um, yeah. I'll I'll link everything below, mm-hmm. and uh, you and I will connect briefly shortly after I stop recording. And uh, again, just thank you so much for taking the time. Hey, my pleasure. Cool. I hope you all enjoyed this conversation between myself and Mike Savino, aka Tall Tall Trees. You can find him on the socials by typing in Tall Tall trees as always you can find me online at rob is lost or rob auchincloss i hope you all have a fantastic rest of your day goodbye